Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is a bitterly cold morning out there. I uh, rolled down my window on the way here to uh, go through the drive through to get a coffee. And I couldn't do my window up so halfway halfway down the cloud trail. So it was a little chilly for half of my trip. And then it slowly, as my car truck warmed up, it uh, I was able to roll the window back up. So that was it. That was a good thing. I was uh, kind of cursing my daughter. I was away this weekend, so she stole my parking spot in my garage. So, uh, <laughs> but it's all good. It's uh, kind of funny. <laughs> you don't realize how cold it is when you're. When your window won't go up because uh, everything's frozen solid, all the mechanisms in your in your car. But they're saying today, definitely stay inside. If you don't have anything that you absolutely have to do to get outside, it is it is cold. And one thing, it, even though we didn't get much snow, when it's this cold, um, the frost and that builds up on the asphalt even more on the roads. So it's really slippery. Like there's lots of black ice and guys I've seen... On the way here, there's probably four or five people spun out accidents and just changing lanes, things like that, going a little too fast. Just slower down. It it is really really slippery out there, so just be careful as well. And uh, and I know I'm I'm fortunate. I have a four wheel drive, and I put winter tires even on my four wheel drive because man, it makes a difference. But even my truck, I was sliding around a little bit this morning, so it's pretty slick. So again, be careful if you're out there. It is pretty nasty. Um, today I'm going to talk a bit about pruning. We have Mark. He's going to give us a shout from Prune It Up. He's our certified arborist estimator. He's just running the show over there. So he's going to give us a shout and just let us know what to look for in your trees and shrubs. And we're going to talk about the elm trees because we, we, we have a deadline on those and the next month where those have to, you can't prune past that point. So Mark's going to call in. We're going to talk a little bit about pruning because uh, this is a great time of year. Obviously, when it's this cold, it's a little tough to go and do some pruning, but um, the guys do go out when it warms up a little bit, and uh, a lot of the arborists around town are are out there pruning and doing their thing. One thing I'm going to say, when you are looking for an arborist, and Mark and I will cover this a bit more, make sure you're getting a company that has insurance and a business license. Because there's a lot of guys out there running their little companies with no insurance, no license. And if anything ever happens on your property, it goes under your insurance. So really make sure that they're covered properly. It might seem a little less expensive or a guy says, I'll do it for cash or this or that. <laughs> if something ever happens, it ends up going under your insurance. So so just uh, just make sure you you follow and just make sure... Th- just deal with some reputable guys. There's lots of great companies here in Calgary, um, large and small, that uh, will do a good job for you and have the proper coverage. So you don't, if he falls out of the out of the tree, you're not covering his expenses for the next uh, five years or something like that, or or falls into your house and uh, and he doesn't have any insurance to cover that. So, anyways, so just uh, do a little due diligence when you're hiring guys because it is. It's one of those businesses where it's fairly easy for someone with a saw and a pickup truck to stick a sticker on their thing and call themselves an arborist or something like that, Or and and but they don't really run it like a real business. So anyways, just a, a couple food for thoughts. I just know what we go through to try to keep our insurance and 
our licenses and and all that, and then the ISA certified guys that we have working with us. So it's uh, it's a bit more of a process, and but uh, I, I do enjoy seeing it when it's run properly. It's uh, it's in it's an enjoyable business, and uh, doing a good job on the trees and shrubs is something that we're striving to do, and and always looking for improvement. So. Uh, Mark has joined our team at Prune It Up, and he's brought lots of that to us. So I'm um, looking forward to uh, more time with Mark, and uh, you guys should enjoy chatting with him. He knows lots about trees and shrubs and all that kind of fun stuff. Also, um, if you have any tr- house plants close to your doors or windows, days like this, you might want to um, pull them away from the doors. This draft... And that it, it is very cold. This even that opening the doors and things like that can be really affect some of your uh, more delicate plants. Or if the door stays open for a little bit longer, um, definitely you want to just just be a little bit more careful. Move things away from from the drafts and especially like figs and things like that. They just do not like it. You're gonna get a bit of leaf drop and uh, fiddlehead figs, the fig, ficus benjamina, a lot of those plants like that. They just do not like it, and it's it's very, very, very cool for them on days like this. So hopefully, I'm not sure about the forecast. I didn't even dare look past today, and it's, it's supposed to warm up a little bit, I think, this week. So to minus 9, and that'll feel balmy. I was in Abbotsford this past week where I went and visited one of our tropical plant suppliers, and a couple other suppliers, and even out there, it was, it was cool in the morning. There was a little snow on my on the window and uh, a little frost, it was minus two. So for out there, it's a little bit cold, but uh, definitely nothing like we're having right now. This is, I would say, probably one of the coldest nights we had. And uh, just with that wind blowing, it's definitely a little chilly. So if you are one of the houseplant type people that are looking to, to catch on the craze, one of the best places is if you have an Instagram account. Um, you can look on Instagram and there's these hashtags and you can follow the hashtags and it takes you to all kinds of different people's sites and things like that. So like um, one of the tiers, sort of the top 10 urban jungle is one of them house plants. So you just do hashtag house plants or hashtag urban jungle. Um, the jerg, the jungle, a low um, urban, urban jungle blog. So lots of those house plant club, um, jungle style. So, anyways, you can see and you can catch on to lots of lots of neat little things and lots of people's ideas out there. If you if you're looking to get a, um, a look into what people are doing with plants, and it's such a good revival. And even yesterday in the cold, I had um, young guys, young gals, um, older people, younger people, there's all kinds of people coming in and buying plants yesterday, house plants and and getting the nice pots and uh and uh, Zoe and I and Chris rode on a buying thing when we found a whole bunch of great propagation glass. So that's what a lot of people are doing too. They're sharing their plants and sharing their their things and uh, they're looking for ways of doing propagation. So we found some great propagation glass for people to do that. And uh, so you're able to share or, or just propagate more for yourself because a lot of these tropical plants, um, they do propagate fairly easy. So it's kind of a fun thing to do once we get all these plants growing in our house. And when they grow oh, a little bit too big for certain spots, um, 
Same thing as when you're outdoor gardening. You got to get the right plant in the right spot because sometimes your your house plants can take off on you, end up with something that's really quite big and uh, which may be too big for your house. But as we had, uh, I think it was Jesse and he was in a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, and he had a 600 square foot apartment and I think he has 300 plants in there. So he, he lives in the jungle, which is pretty cool. So... Anyways, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And again, it is minus 28 out there, so it is a little bit chilly. A um, couple of exciting things that are happening around the garden center right now is uh, is uh, the design studio. I know Alistair in the landscape design um, he's hired uh, another uh, designer to work with him, a plotter, and he has Kim. And uh, so they're both going pretty heavy on the designs, which is nice to see. Um, and we have a great design program that goes from 2D to 3D, pops it into that. So we're able to share our thoughts with our clients because not everyone can read blueprints. So it's kind of nice to be able to um, pop their design. The one I really like is when you... You have your real property report, the one you get from the lawyer when you buy your house and it has all the legal description, all that. And then Alistair's able to, he just pops the house right up on that design. So you have the background of the real property report and he pops the house up on there. I just, I think it's pretty cool. It really helps, helps bring it to light so people can see what's going on. So it's exciting in there, our, our studio, our design studio in there, they're, they're going crazy um, putting designs together, which is uh, always a fun, fun time. You sort of got you get your brain back into plant mode and start remembering all the little names and uh, and things like that to get going. And uh, so, lots of fun. Good time to look out into your backyard and see if there's any empty spots, or maybe you have too many things that maybe something you need to remove a tree or this or that. Because sometimes at this time of year. Um, you look outside and it just looks blah. So maybe add in an evergreen or a structure or maybe a, or a statue, something like that, just to add those little uh, features. And I did get a text asking if my fountain is still going. No, my fountain af- after this minus 30, it, uh, it, it, it quit bubbling <laughs> underneath that. It. it was, uh, it was a big, definitely just a big iceberg. So I had to I had to give in to Mother Nature without uh, without a heater. I went right up until uh, like I said a few days ago until it got really really cold, and then I had to had to shut her down. So unfortunately, um, that happened. And then got a couple calls. Nice, lots of people up on the phone lines, nice and early. I'm just I might. Uh, what do we got here? Was reporting some orchids yesterday. Oh, repotting. Pat just sent me a text. I was reporting some orchids yesterday. I'm trying a mixture of bark and moss, layering them together. See how this goes. Um, Pat, I, I have done that as well. Just be careful that the that you that there's still enough. I would go like 90% bark, the orchid bark, and just 10, 15% moss. Because, again, you just don't want them to use the moss more on the outside, just a bit more decorative and, and mix in a little bit to keep the one. You just don't want them to rot. So sometimes if you get too much moss in there, 
you'll end up with a bunch of, of rotting, you know, if you, especially if you tend to water the same amount. And I wouldn't mix it without having a proper orchid pot. And an orchid pot has a, a design. There, There's lots of holes on the side of it. They're either in holes that are cut out like a flower or just circles or something. And what that does, it just lets lots of air flow over the top of the air roots. So that way they don't rot away. If you just stick them right in soil, I know some people have, but it's it's a bit of a different technique. And yet I think you have to pay more attention to the water. You just don't want to get them too wet because otherwise they will um, rot away on you. So... And and I will talk about, we have a question about, can we talk about legal four-plant cannabis indoor grow, best soil to use? Um, there is a number four uh, mix. Our, our Spruce It Up planter box mix is phenomenal for this as well. It's a good, it's a great out, outdoor, indoor house plant potting soil. You want something that's good in there. You don't want like a real soil. You want to go to a soilless mix. Um, so if you want to use one of those, we've mixed it, um, very similar to the number four black bag that you get, and we will have that as well. So either one of those work really well for growing the cannabis inside if you're looking to do that. And the only thing I'm going to say is when, if you're doing the outdoor, if you're going to try and grow the cannabis inside is invest in the, in the proper carbon filters and uh, otherwise your your house will stink and get a little bit skunky once you get it to the the flowering stage, which is the end result if that's what you're growing because um, smoking the leaves really, I don't think, does much for you. So you got to smoke the buds from what I understand. So anyways, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, we got Stan, Miss Johnson, and Mary on the line. And we're going to chat with them. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, where we are unpacking all great new pots and decor for spring. Spruce it up, plant it up, prune it up. We got you covered. Yeah, lots of great indoor pots and lots of great outdoor pots all starting to arrive. Um, We have our container coming from the Orient, so we should have another great selection of new pots coming in very soon. And uh, it's always an exciting time. Just uh, have to get past this. February, which is a cold one this year. And Pat sent in a couple more pictures of his orchids. Man, he has some nice orchids. And this one he put into 100% moss, and it it's doing great. He did have a little bit of wither and die, but uh, for the most part, it's just once you get acclimatized and get on the, you have to pay a bit more attention and the more moss you use, so that is awesome. And it says, what tree has seed, whoops, ooh, Dean, that's a great one. Um, what tree has seed looks like little canoe paddles, what tree has? I want is that an outdoor tree less or an indoor tree? Because um, indoor um, has seed paddles that look like little canoe paddles. Oh, that that's probably just the ash. Like that's probably the green ash or the Manitoba maple. Um, there's a few of them that have those little seed pods that look like that. So it'll be in those families. There, there's quite a few that will have that look. So. Anyways, we're going to go from there. We're going to go over to the phone line. We're going to go to Stan. Good morning, Stan. Good morning, Merle. How are you? Good. Yourself? Well, better than the weather, for sure. <laughs> it is a little bit chilly. Yeah. Um, what are you I doing in town still, though? I was wondering when a person should put some tomato seeds in uh, 
and the starter pots. I, I Stan, it really depends on how much room you have in the house, too, and or if you plan on growing them in just pots, or do you want to move them into the garden? Well, um, I'll be doing them on... You've seen my deck. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. What are you still doing in town? It's too cold for you, usually well, somewhere nice. I <laughs> I went all the way down to Lethbridge uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> well, that's usually, you're usually a little more adventurous than that, Stan. Well, I, <laughs> I come back with a new knee, so... Oh, oh nice. <laughs> that's what I'm doing this winter. Oh, nice. So then that way you're <laughs> able to go somewhere nicer next year. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you can't start them any time. Like now, we're heading into, like I said, we're almost mid-February. Um, it, it is a little bit, still a little bit early, especially. Um, they're going to grow quite well. Like also in March, April. Like typically, if you just want to start them to get them outside to last for the summer, I would start them sort of beginning of April. Okay, I, I usually uh, plant them and then I I repot them a yeah. couple of times before I set them out in the big pots. Yeah, but if you, you can you can do a few now just to get going a bit early. But typically, I'd wait a little bit, like I said, till April because they the longer the days, the quicker they grow. Yeah, that's true. And so you yeah. kind of right now they just sit a little bit more dormant, like they grow mm-hmm. a little bit slower. So you can achieve what you want to achieve by if you if you seed them sort of beginning of April. Okay. Um, that'll give you lots of time to get up and growing and uh, be nice and healthy by the June first week that you can put them outside. That's good. My wife will be happy to hear that. Awesome. Me too. Because <laughs> then, I, then I know summer's coming as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Okay. How's everything at your place, Dan? All good? Oh, good, good. We had a big trip last year, and we, we had a wonderful time in good. Africa and Europe and stuff, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, no, I always enjoy when I come by for a visit. We look at doing a little project or two, and yeah. then also get to hear a couple of your stories and I'll, and obviously you get to see your gorgeous plants in your windowsills and uh, if it's if it's cooler and not just outside so yeah I'm down to three three blooming right now oh really yeah nice okay. all right Sam take care bud thank you bye bye all right I need to take a break you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, we have some spots open on the phone lines, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And uh, Sue sent in a picture. Yikes. Five robins in the backyard um, eating on the little leftover crab apples and mountain ash. Um, it's amazing that they're here this early. But, yeah, that is... Uh, I guess we are getting close. We're mid-February, but still a little bit close. They uh, they probably wish they maybe stayed where they were a little bit longer before they headed north up to back up here. So, and I just want to make sure I didn't miss any other text. But I think I got most of them, and uh, and I did get that one I mentioned from Dean. Man, that's a gorgeous um, orchid, and it uh, and it's grown in a soil mix as well. And uh, I just said to him, just if it's working, he's and then just leave it. It's uh, it's doing great. It looks super healthy, and uh, looking really, really good. We're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Miss Johnson. Good morning, Miss Johnson. Yes. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I um, have a backyard that faces south. Okay. In the fall, I had a huge May Day that had to be cut down, and the stump was ground very well. Yep. 
it's a U-shape uh, by the fence, about five feet by five feet. And I was wanting to put, I'm going to put a, a bird feeder stand in so I can hang and have my bird oh, nice. bath. Yeah. But what can I plant now in the dirt with the leftover stump? Like I, I want something no work, like just little ground cover perennials. And if I were going to plant something, I was thinking maybe tea roses. If you had to dig down a foot or more, like would you still have to dig out stump or should I just keep something only planted a few inches like the ground cover? Yeah, it depends. You will have to. Um, and especially with the Mayday, you still might end up getting a bit of suckering. Depends if they did the roots and everything. It's yeah. a tough one, especially if it was a larger tree. Did it have that black knot in it? Yes, it did. It was like 35 years yeah. old, and it was absolutely huge. Yeah. So you might, um, you're going to have a, a, a fairly large root structure underneath there. Okay. Um, I, I Myself, if I'm planning on staying in that home and doing gardening, yeah. I, I would spend the extra time or money and get somebody in and just dig that big root out and replenish okay. the soil and just start a bit fresh. I know like we're typically in the two to four hundred dollar range typically mm-hmm. to remove something like that, um, depending on how how big it is. But right. it's just going to save you a bunch of aggravation. Later, later on, like as you're going, you're going to keep yeah. hitting roots, and then you also get mushrooms growing because you have all the roots in there, and then they start rotting, and then okay. you get you get lots of funguses growing and things like that. So, um, I I would take that extra effort and then just start with a clean slate, and then you can do whatever you want. You can dig deep, shallow. You're not restricted, and you're not competing. And typically with some Schubert's. I'd almost guarantee you're going to get some sort of suckering from the roots or something without removing that. So Okay, good advice, because I didn't know what to do this spring. So, yep. yes, I'd be willing to have it. I'm going to stay about another 8 to 10 years. Yeah, so although, that's lots of time to yeah. to, to spend. Because, honestly, a tree that big and and the the, or the Schubert choke cherries or maydays, they're pretty much the same, have lots of, of surface roots. So... They're they're not like a super deep root rooting tree. They have okay. tons of surface roots, um, so it's going to be a pain for you. So I would definitely just bite the bull a little bit and just revitalize that that area, and then you can garden and do whatever you want. Especially with the south location, you can do your roses, you can do whatever, which is awesome. Well, yes, and I, I did want, it's only a small space, and I actually didn't want to do a lot of gardening. That's why I thought maybe yeah. I would just do some ground cover. But I like your idea of digging everything out because I would like to plant tea roses. That's yeah, my that's favorite. a perfect spot for tea roses. And there's some great new shrub roses that will come back every year for you, like any of the Morden series. They look like tea roses, yes. and they're gorgeous, like the Morden Blush. There's, there's lots of really, really nice roses. And even some of the hydrangeas, you can use them in the background there, like the quick fires and they look great with roses as well all right well thank you so much for your advice you're welcome and if you need any help let us know we can always help you out i probably will thanks miss johnson bye-bye bye-bye all right where are we at for time we got a bit of time we're gonna go we're gonna chat with mary good morning mary baby it's cold outside no kidding now you gotta be careful you can't say that anymore oh my lord (laughs) anyway i had the guys here and they Blew all the snow onto the little bit of trees and stuff. But your your good advice about pruning it it's really it really works. 
I had you guys here, and yep. it was a really good job. Good. And you answered my tomato question. Yep. Uh, the fellow wanted to know about the tomato. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come to your place and buy plants. There you go. <laughs> nice. Anyway, the orchid, orchid, I bought one at your place. Yep. It, it is pink. It is absolutely gorgeous. And then I bought that or, orchid mulch or whatever that stuff yeah, is called, orchid that bark. black stuff. Yep. Bark. And I did did it. It is beautiful. I have 20 blooms on it. Wow. It's beautiful, Merle. That's, yeah. Orchids I, are one of the best plants. Like sometimes they, you're a little pricey them. at the beginning, but man, the amount of time you get off of them and the amount of blooms. Well, they last so long. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're, you know everybody needs something like that for this winter. I just like them because if you, I like putting two or three together in one pot because yeah. then you'll continually to get blooms yeah. almost all year round. So well, I've got this pink one that or pinky one that I got from you, and then I got a white one, and I've got another one, and I've got them all together. They're uh, beautiful. No, and they're they're just. I just like them because they're a pure color, too. Like yeah, aren't they? And they're neat, kind of neat to look at. And once you get into you know? it a bit more, too, it's unfortunate that we lost. We used to have a really good orchid. Yeah, um, the fellow was there in Calgary. Yeah, but... he was in Springbank, and they end up moving to uh, Victoria. But uh, Well, that's a better place to grow it, orchids, It is, I but guess. they had a, they had a, it was like an orchid jungle, though. You'd go up there, he lived in Spring, <laughs> I can't remember, it was Orchid Un- Unlimited, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, it was phenomenal. Paramount Orchids is what it was called. Yeah, um, but and he like... had Catleas, too. Oh, yeah, he had everything. He had the, the, oh, they smelled so beautiful. Yeah, orchid cactus. and oh, it, Honestly, it was gorgeous. <laughs> you walk through there, and I'd always buy tons and then uh, bring them in to, to, to resell them. He was a propagator and a wholesaler as yeah. well. So, If I was 50 years younger, I would have gone into that orchid growing. Yeah. But I, I was too busy. <laughs> too busy growing everything else. One yeah, pot potatoes. potatoes. There you go. Well, one pot potatoes. Awesome. Anyway, All right. I enjoy your program. It's thanks. really great. Good, good advice. No, and I'm going to say thanks, everybody. Everyone's up early this morning on a cold morning. Kind of uh, getting lots of texts. Nothing else to do. No, I'm getting lots of texts and phone calls, which is kind of nice. So yeah, well, uh, that helps you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. On a cold morning, yeah. it's sort of like I'm limited on talking gardening, too. So I, Did I, you get a donut? No, no donuts. How come? Uh, I don't know. I probably had a couple too many already. So I'm right. <laughs> oh, you need a donut. There Gee, you go. on a cold morning, you need a donut no, with do, your coffee. I just get a blonde Americano, and man, those are good. What? What's that? It's just an espresso coffee. They like, oh. just a little bit stronger. So they have espresso, then they add hot water to it. Oh, let them wire you up for two hours. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> All right, Mary, I got to run. Yeah, goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. If you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And uh, if you have any pruning questions or things like that, Mark is calling in at 10.05, so we're going to chat a little bit about that. 
<laughs> and Dean just sent me in another picture. He has a uh, a gifted plant that he received, and it's a spider plant. He goes, haven't had a spider plant since college. It's amazing the resurgence of those as well, and uh, you see them everywhere. And in when we were just in Abbotsford the other on on Friday, we stopped in, and they brought in all their spider plant cuttings um, from I think it was Costa Rica or something. I can't remember what I read on the box. Some were warm. I was I kept thinking about it when I looked at the box. I go, I wish I was there. And uh, they just come in the in all the little babies. And what he's asking is, do I just let this send out the shoots and just keep the base plant happy? But what you can, you can just let it send out shoots as well like that. But you can also, if you want to cut those shoots off, you can plant those into soil and start new ones as well. Or just let them go. If they get a little crazy, don't hesitate to cut a couple off as well because um, they just keep going like crazy. But it probably loves the humidity there. Um, in the bathroom, in the jacuzzi room, and uh, it looks like it's very, very healthy. So very happy about that. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, and go with that. And what do we got here? Hey, Merle, my MD hasn't answered me if hops are considered invasive. Um, I, would, I don't believe they are invasive, um, the ones that were grown, because I know we have the brewer hops as well. And um, they and we're not allowed to sell them if they're invasive. So any of the hop varieties, um, Solar Guy, if you're um, that's his tag when he calls in text. People, some people that text uh, more often than not uh, have their own tags. So um, his tag is Solar Guy, and uh, so I would say they they are not invasive. Like I said, they they. They monitor us fairly um, rapidly on if we have any kind of the wrong types of invasive plants. And then we're fairly um, conscious of that as well. We're, we're always making sure we're not bringing in something that we're not supposed to. So I think you should be totally fine on that. And here we go. My lawn always grows a variety of mushrooms and I spend hours removing them. The area is shaded near the old forest in the Pritis areas. Yep. And Jan, that is very similar to what I mentioned to to Miss Johnson. If she leaves her Schubert cherry in there in the ground, the roots start rotting. So what happens is probably when you built your area in your house, and because you're you're in the Prittis area near the forest, there's lots of dead wood under the ground. So what it does is that those root up, uh, rot away. I mean, and then you get lots of mushrooms and things like that. So really the only way of doing that is digging down in those areas, removing a bunch of the old dead rotting wood in the soil and uh, and dig them out and just put new soil in. And typically when the guys did the first grading in that, they probably maybe should have removed a bit more of the wood at the time. So that's the only thing I could say is that's a bit of what needs to happen on that one. And I got a picture of a gorgeous amaryllis. It's about to get its second bloom. It says she has one bloom that's totally just about to open, and the other one is uh, uh, all done. So the one that's all done, you can just cut that one off. It looks like you're watering properly. Just discontinue, let it dry out in between watering. So it has that big bulb, so it, it can dry out a bit, and uh, and just uh, and then water thoroughly. Probably every pot that size, depending where you have it, sort of once a week at the most. And then when you're when that's totally done, it's starting to get leaves out the bottom. It'll leaf out, and so let's let it grow for 
eight to 16 weeks, something like that, 16 weeks, like a house plant, and then just stop watering it and just let it totally dry up. It'll take a couple of weeks to do that. All that energy downloads back into the pot. And then at that time too, when it's done blooming, you want to feed it like with a 15, 30, 15. And we have a green it up 15, 30, 15. That'll produce, that adds the phosphate into the soil that really pushes the blooming of those for next season because it'll recharge the bulb. So what, what I do is just let it die back. And after it's done blooming, you can start on the feeding process once a week when you water with the 15, 30, 15. <clears throat> let it grow leaves, like I was saying, for about um, 8, 16 weeks, something like that. And then just let it shut right down until it's totally dried out. All the leaves are dead. Cut them off. Take the bulb out of the soil. Stick it in a cool, dark place in a box of just really clean potting soil or peat moss or cocoa moss, something like that. Put it in the coolest, darkest place you kind of got in your house and let it sit for at least 12 weeks. And then you bring it out and you can repot it again sort of next um, early November and then get it ready to bloom again for Christmas again like that or yours is blooming into February and it looks like it was red so your next bloom you'll probably have a Valentine's Amaryllis so there you go <laughs> give that one a try and I better take a break you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coons, and if you'd like to give me a shout, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. And if you're out of town, I haven't had many from out of town for a while, 1-800-563-7770. Come on, you people in Medicine Hat or Drumheller or wherever you are down there in crispy cold Alberta. <laughs> what is what is it now? It's, ooh, it's, ooh, it's a... It says it's raining and minus 29, which I find that one, when the symbol looks like drops come out of the cloud. So our affiliates at Globe, I'm not sure if it's raining. Maybe that's an ice crystal symbol. I'm not too sure what it is, but it looks like it's a, but it is minus 29. Um, and that's, uh, it's definitely a little bit chilly. Let's go to the phone lines and we're going to go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Welcome to Antarctica. No kidding. It is definitely a little chilly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My question is, yep. what would be the uh, a good uh, relative humidity to have inside the house for the plants? Because we're finding our plants are drying out you know, through the house, and she's watering them, but they're still quite dry. Yeah, it is. It, it our our air is really, especially when we get into the winter time like this. Yes. Um, it it is definitely drier. Um. One thing you can do, and I'm sure, I don't know if you have a humidifier hooked to your furnace, mm-hmm. um, that definitely helps. Um, so a lot of people put trays of rocks underneath their pots, and then they just fill the trays up. So the, you don't want it sitting in water, but the humidity underneath. I, I try not to do this a whole lot. I try to let the plants get used to the climate they're in. And sometimes you're going to get a little bit of browning of leaves and this and that. Because once you start supplementing all the time, um, you have to continue it. So it's just, I try to get them down to where as little is needed and and get them used to it. Um, 
is somewhat the best method. Uh, same with misting and things like that. Like, unless you, you, you want to do this all the time, it's one of those habits I wouldn't start doing because they end up causing more harm than good. This is like your skin. If you're putting cream or something all over your skin all the time and then you don't do it for a couple of days, your skin just yeah. dries right up. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, so same sort of thing. So that's what all I can recommend is uh, is uh, is try and create some areas. If you can do it on your furnace where it's happening all the time, um, it definitely helps. And uh, and uh, what type of plants are showing the most effect? Uh, I'm not really a plant person myself. She's got plants from, you know, the typical, you know, wiry plants and large broad yeah. leaves and stuff like that. And the the the, the uh, our Christmas plant, uh, what's that? What, Christmas uh, cactus? The, the, no, the Christmas flower. The, oh, the amaryllis. Uh, yeah, that dried up and died in days. Or a poinsettia. A poinsettia. Yeah. A poinsettia. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that, yeah. That one yeah. is. That one should because it can handle it fairly dry because they're a bit of a succulent. Yeah. Uh, um, so there maybe was a, another issue there. Um, they, one of the most often things caused with the poinsettia wilting is sometimes overwatering if they're left in the in the foil pack. And if you mm-hmm. water and fill up the pot and it sits in water, it'll wilt down, looking like it droops. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of times it's from overwatering on those ones because mm-hmm. um, they they prefer to run a little bit drier. So, but yeah, that's that's okay. all I can recommend is sort of. Like um, portable humidifiers in certain times of the year, um, especially during this real cold, or have something installed on the furnace or something like that. So, all right, all right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Okay. Thanks for bye calling. Bye bye. All right, and I'm pretty tight on time, and uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't uh, go to that. I'm going to probably just take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm just going to do, we got uh, a couple people on the phone lines and Mark's going to call in from Prune It Up at around 1010. But I'm going to take these first. I got three callers I'm going to go through. And because uh, they've been waiting patiently. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. How are you this frosty morning? Well, I'm nice and warm in here. Actually, they have the studio nice and warm, so um, I'm doing quite well here. But uh, how are you? Do you know what those? I'm I'm good. Those days of the water beds and doing oh, <laughs> so nice to go in a water bed. Days of warm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those were those were actually kind of funny, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah. But they did come in handy. Oh, I yeah, mean, no. I lived in Lethbridge back in those days, so we had bitterly cold winters down Lethbridge. Yeah, it's so. amazing how that fad is just totally gone. You don't see any of them anymore, really. Like they're, yeah, we'll they're, figure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're going to have a resurgency. Just like everything thing, else, right? Anything. Exactly. So anyhow, long story short, I talked too much, so I'll try to keep it plain and simple. Okay. A girlfriend of mine gave me an ending indigo um, tomato plant okay. last spring and it performed wonderfully it, black tomatoes believe it or not and then yeah. they eventually turned red so long story short i was still harvesting tomatoes the first week in november because i had it in my landing area my front entrance oh, nice. way yeah. so i had top dressed the soil with some sea soil and 
topsoil to keep it all good and dandy. So lo and behold, I go to top dress my um, house plants. And I thought, oh, I just put new soil in there. I should be able to bring that in, just use a scoop here and there. Well, lo and behold, one of the tomatoes had dropped off, dried, dropped <laughs> yeah. seeds. And I've got a tomato plant now that is about 12 inches by 12 inches. Oh, nice. Blooming um, seed heads ready to set the blooms out. So my question is, does it have to be pollinated with another tomato plant or can it be any flowering plant in the house? No, it needs to be another tomato, but a lot of times it can do it off itself like another, the bloom. I would so just, I, I would take, yeah, have you take, taken it and transplanted it? It's in a 12 inch tomato pot, yeah. Yeah, and did you plant it nice and deep? Yep, uh, okay. so it has the deep roots, you bet. Perfect. Yeah, it, it should be fine. You can also get, um, you can just do some of the cross pollination yourself, or you can get the, I'm not 100% sure on that indigo if it's, um, what it's type an of. an open pollinator. Yeah, so it should, it should be fine. It should pollinate. Um, but in the house, depending on what's going on, there might not be anything around. To pollinate with. Yeah. So you could try <laughs> I just I have to... ladybugs crawling on my big windows. They're so, loving it inside yeah, here. You can also try, like, this. some people have done it with Q-tips from one bloom to another sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured as much, so, yeah. Give okay, that a try. Well, I've never done it in my life, so this will be the first time, and I'll let you know if it works or not. Sounds good, Kim. Okay, have a good day. You Stay too. warm. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Clayton. Good morning, Clayton. Hey, how's it going today? Good, how are you? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Uh, quick question about toma- uh, lemon and lime trees. Yep. I bought some uh, back last spring. Yep. And uh, I'm trying to winter them over in my house. I kept leaves until, oh, the 1st of December, and now it's uh, it's looking pretty grim. Yeah, they Any go through a... Yeah, well, they kind of go through a defoliating sometimes, um, defoliate, because okay. it's sort of the winter time, and depending on the lighting in your house and that, um, yep. they will do that. Um, not always, but um, you had the right circumstances to trigger that on them. So Say I tried to, you, you had it in a spot that triggered that for them to do. Did they get too cold, maybe, or? Well, they're, they're yeah, it's kind of unavoidable to have them close to a window and not get them cold. Yeah. What I would do is just try and get them to a little bit warmer spot now. Um, okay. Are they in a good soil, like a new pot or anything? Or? Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I didn't repot them since the summer, but uh, the rest of them are probably 16-inch pots. Yep. No, that's perfect. And what I would do is feed them with 30-10-10. They do okay. like that evergreen fertilizer. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Perfect. Yeah. And then... And, and I'll be keeping them fairly dry right now then, right? Yeah, but when you do water, take them to the sink and fill it right up and flush it all the way through. Oh, okay. Because that's part of the problem. A lot of times people water just a little bit on top, and if you have a deep pot like that 16-inch, no water gets to the bottom, and then those roots end up drying out because they don't get any water. Oh, okay. So what you want to do is thorough water. So when you water, if you haven't done that, you'll probably see it bubbling, which is a good thing. So just fill it up three or four times. Um, it's just called a good soil drench, and then yep. fertilize after that. Okay, perfect. All right. Right on. Thank you. Perfect. All right. All right. Bye now. Uh, thanks, Clayton. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take one more call. We got Tony. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Merle. How are you this morning? Other than freezing. Yeah, it was definitely a little chilly on the way to the studio, but 
Um, feels super warm in here right now. So. Good. When you said you couldn't roll your window back up, I thought, I'm not even going out. I know. I, I almost, like, I was thinking, okay, I, do I need to go back and grab <laughs> another car, grab my wife's car, or or I just but slowly got and halfway here, slowly was going oh up. So, yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Merle, I have an orchid. A be- okay. Well, it was blooming a beautiful white. And don't tell Mary because I've bought many orchids, and once the petals are gone or the flowers are gone, I throw them out. Oh, oh. you shouldn't. Yeah, leave those stems, and then you'll get blooms on them usually within a month or so. Okay, if, and I've kept the last one, and it's beautiful green on the bottom, and yep. it's got those stakes that go. Do I keep those stakes in the pot? And yeah. how do I look after that orchid? What do I do? So basically, they're fairly easy. Like, you need to water them typically every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stem that it was blooming on, just leave that. Okay. And and this, you'll see, it'll die back about an inch or so, or uh-huh. maybe two inches. And then just where it turns brown, just cut that little brown tip off. Okay. And uh, and then just fertilize like with a fifteen thirty fifteen sort of once a month, okay. and and put it in a good well. It doesn't have to be super bright like in a in right in a window, but a good sunlit spot, and mm-hmm. you should definitely see blooms again. Okay, should I leave it like with the, the sun is shining in the window because I have an east exposure, but should I put it in, can I put it in the sun today? Is that okay? Because it's not hot. I mean, Yeah, absolutely. An east location, 100%. You could just leave it right in that closer to the window. That's totally fine. Okay, and leave it in the pot that I bought it in. Well, depending on what it is, is it really small or is it... No. Yeah, if it's a larger size, then you're fine because they don't have huge root systems. You'll, you'll know when to transplant your orchid is it'll send roots coming out of the top of the of the pot all the time. Mm-hmm. So then, then you'll know to repot it. Okay. All right? Good. Thank you very much. All right. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And now I'm going to go down to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Mark. He's calling in. He's uh, he's running our Prune It Up department down at Spruce It Up. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Merle. How are you? Good. We're not pruning today, I take it. Absolutely not. I let, my, <laughs> I let my dog out, and that's as far as I'm going today. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Even the dog looks at you like, are you sure you don't have a spot inside for me? Exactly. <laughs> no, i seen some good people walking dogs this morning on the way here. It's just like, man, I'm not sure if the dog wants to go out there or not. So, But at this time of year, um, if, we're, if people are looking at doing pruning, they're looking outside, um, what are some of the things we should be looking for and what types of trees should be pruned right now? And is there any that we shouldn't be pruning at all right now? Um, things to look for. Um, obviously, uh, do an inspection of your tree. Make sure that there isn't any uh, broken branches uh, over a walkway or something like that. But you definitely want to look for hazards. Um, if you have Mayday or Schubert, Choke cherries, look for swollen tips. Um, and that's sort and of the black knot that we're looking yeah. for on those. And Yeah, this time of year it's a lot easier to spot, especially on the oh, Schubert's. 100%. And then just anything that doesn't appear normal. I mean, you don't have to be an expert to know something is up. Like, yep. there's, there's, you know, definite things that you can see and, and just say, okay, I know that's not normal. Let's call an ISA certified under and then get this looked at and get it straightened out. Yeah, and uh, we did have a, a gentleman text us earlier. Um, he sent in a picture of some split. We are seeing a bit some splitting of trees this year right now. It, it's just with the cold and some frost cracks. Um, Absolutely. And, Absolutely uh, yeah. and you guys were looking at doing some bolting. Um, so what kind of things can be done with that if, if people are getting those kind of things happening? Um, 
you could do some some bolting. You can you can install some cables to help support that that stress in the lower lower crotch of the tree. Um, but if it is too far gone, you might end up having to take off a lead if it's a uh, you know a multi stem yep. uh, from the lower portion of the tree. Um, but again, like easiest thing to do is just call in a certified arborist, have him or he or she take a look at it and uh, get it sorted out for you. No, and I think that's the key to it. Like you look, and we, we've we've talked about on this show before the the three Ds: the dead, damage, and disease branching. And I always like looking at trees at this time of year because you can see a lot more of that. You can see the color of the bark. You can see what they're doing. You can see where it's been cut improperly in the past, and so you can do some corrective pruning. And Absolutely. and the color of the bark can tell a lot of on on the health of a tree. Oh, for sure. Um, there's. You know, it's it's so much easier for the arborist to you know visually see what's going on, and um, you know definitely there's there's some real benefits to doing winter pruning. Um, you know, it's less stressful for the trees in the winter months. Um, it encourages new growth. Uh, it's easier to you know do your shaping and and keep things the right size. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. It only, and I guess, and part of it is, and and some people I know in the past, people always worried more about us working in the cold. They said, "Well, it's too cold." But like I said, on certain days that we we assess the job site every day before you guys go out. And yep. I, I know you have an assessment sheet. You guys felt, and if it's too frosty or too icy, those are things that a proper company assesses before they go ahead in. So we're not going in working in those hazardous. Hundred percent. I mean, first, uh, your guys. Your guys are the the ones that are running the business, so you know you got to look after their safety first. And and I mean they'll they'll know if it's going to be too cold to go out there. Um, yeah. But uh, you know it's, we're going to have some nice weather coming in after us, so all of that'll be able to get straightened out. Yes. So what about? I know we've had some issues with we've had a couple bad years of scale. And things like that is is do you ever see it bad enough where that needs to get pruned out, or is that something that we can treat with spraying or injection or so if it's really bad, you should eliminate some of the branches that are infected um, and then you could also in the summertime do some pressure washing and try and blast some of it off, but the injections are definitely going to help uh, with the triazin and uh and help get that under control. Yeah, and we, we should have that all rolling this spring, so absolutely, yeah. you'll be able to give us a shout. We'll have the trees on program, and you can use that for the birch leaf miners, scales. Yeah, I know I've seen, uh, I've seen an arborist out uh, late fall, and they were doing it with the school board, and they were pressure washing all the ash trees, and yeah. uh, and so they were just trying to get rid of the scale. But on it, a, won't, it won't get rid of all of it, but it definitely helps. Right? But, but you got to be careful with a pressure washer too, because you can do some damage. Um, For sure. If you, if you have, I just think of people. I just and all of a sudden you get the wrong person doing it and think, man, this is fun. Look at that stuff just peeling off there, and the, <laughs> and the bark is peeling right off the tree. So um, again, um, <laughs> less is more. Um, when you start doing stuff like that, so yeah, for sure. And, and right now is the best time to prune uh, your elm trees because they're dormant. Um, there's also uh, in Alberta a pruning ban for elm trees uh, from April 1st to September. 
Yeah. So, you know, now is, is the only time to prune them. So, and why is that, Mark? Uh, they don't want to have Dutch, uh, spread Dutch Elm disease. So it's, it's, they, they place these pruning bands on so, uh, you know, there isn't that spread. Okay. And when you're saying that, um, was what is, maybe if you can give us a quick little, we haven't really touched, uh, we, we've been fairly, I think we are still, are we classified as Dutch Elm disease free still? We, or? we are, and, and reason is for this pruning band. Because okay. in the summer, if you prune it out of season, uh, when you make the cuts, the pheromones in the tree actually tr- uh, attract the bugs. So if you're doing it in the dormant season, you're not going to have that that pheromone from the tree released to attract the bug. Okay, so the Dutch elm disease is maybe give us a quick description on what that is. Uh, it's just it's it's just a bug uh, that 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 the tree gets attracted. Uh, the bug gets attracted to the tree, and then it'll actually. To wilt and kill the tree. Oh, uh, and we have some gorgeous, majestic elms in in Calgary that uh, elm tree. yeah, that we don't want to lose that canopy. But they're oh, ones too yeah. that if they're not pruned properly, they can look pretty messy. I've seen some some pretty bad jobs on some some elm trees where, and if they're planted in the wrong spot, and I've seen that in a couple new. Um, areas where they've planted an elm tree ten feet away from a house, and it, it's just the wrong application of of planting trees in the wrong spot. So, for sure. And and if you're not sure about any of you know where to plant, it's just best to contact a professional and, and get their advice, and and they should be able to steer you in the right direction. No, and that's one of the biggest things we find, like in the tree lot in the summer. And then it's nice having our pruned up department if they're out evaluating job sites and things like that. Um, you're able to send them to the st- in, into the garden center and say, "Hey, these are the trees that we have. Go have a look there." And because uh, unfortunately, in the newer areas with the smaller lots, some of these older trees just don't work in those. And sometimes they're some of the other nurseries around town have been growing them and that's what they have available. So that's what they're recommending, but they're not always the best trees for our, for the size of lot and things like that, that you have. Is there any, like, what about a Katoni Aster hedge? I know they've been devastated with that. uh, Yeah. And I know we've recommended in the past is mainly do the rejuvenation, take them right down to the ground, treating them with pure spray green. Any other thoughts on that or? It's it's not a one and done process. It's, yeah, you know you're definitely going to have to treat it every season uh, in that 12 to 14 day crawler stage, uh, which the city does uh, send out in the newspaper, let you know when when the pest is in the crawler stage. It's the only time that it's effective. that's typically right. isn't that typically in July I think or something like it. It is. Uh, you know, sometime in July, but it's it's only a twelve to fourteen day window where it's effective to spray. Okay, and um, so yeah, and then you got... the other the only other thing to do uh, out of season when they're they're not in this crawler stage is to just boost the health of the plant. So fertilize, lots of water. Uh, you know, try and keep it as healthy as possible. Yeah, because man, in some of the older neighborhoods, and I and I. I drive up and down Elbow Drive a fair bit from certain job sites or certain things out back out to Spruce. And some of the older houses along Elbow Drive, you just see the whole hedge has just been decimated by the oyster shell scale. And on those ones, it just, and when it's left untreated, it just can spread it more and more. So it's you got to clean those up, take them right down to the ground Absolutely. And, and try and get it healthy. 
it'd be good if you can kind of get everybody in your in your neighborhood on the same page and, and do it because you know you can be proactive and do yours and you know the neighbor could could leave his and then next thing you know you're you're treating it, but then you get it back, right? No, and that's sort of, and that's why we're trying to add the fertilization program in with our prune it up department and the pesticide trend. And I think you hit a key point is keeping the trees healthy. And with our dryness that we've had over the last few years, um, it's really devastated a lot of the canopy and the health of a lot of trees in Calgary, just with it being so dry, especially going into the winter time. And that winter desiccation has affected a lot of the trees. So, and I know I chat about it a fair bit here is the, how important fall watering is and, and fertilizing. So. Yep. Definitely, definitely uh, recommend a spring fertilizing in a fall. Yeah. Just uh, to get it going and then put it to bed and then a good watering in. And uh, so typically on the average house, how often should someone be pruning or having evaluated it sort of like an every three year thing or every two years or yeah you should be on a three year three year rotation unless um you know you really like your trees a certain size because some people really like that groomed look of the tree yeah so they're gonna end up doing it more obviously because they like it that certain size yeah, because it's hard if you do like that look, and if it gets away on you, it's harder to get it back down. Hundred percent. Yeah, because now you're you're pruning bigger trees, and and sometimes um, that pruning isn't always the best for some of the trees as well. So. Hundred percent. All right. So, what else is there? Anything else, Mark? That you think people should, uh, if they're looking outside. Besides, uh, how many layers of clothes to put on today? <laughs> if you're if if you're just looking outside, looking out your trees, is there anything else people should maybe look at? Or just if things don't appear right, they're probably not. So, you know, it's just best to to have someone come in and, and take a look and get it figured out for you. You know, and uh, definitely ask for credentials when someone comes out. An ISA certified arborist usually has his his card with his PR number on it. Uh, if not, you could always go to isaarbor.com and you can verify credentials if, if you want to make sure that that person is certified as well. Yeah, and I mentioned um, you get a lot of guys, um, especially in the off-season, running little tree companies with no insurance, no um, no license, things like that. And a lot of homeowners don't realize if something ever happens on that on your property, a lot of that fault and things come back onto you and the homeowner's responsible for any damages and then their house insurance and things like that end up coming yeah. into play because unfortunately in the off season um there's there's lots of guys running and they're maybe on pogey and then they're doing cash jobs on the side which some people have to do what you have to do but it just it, you got to be careful if you're getting guys in with no insurance into your house 100 percent, and i mean most companies they'll they'll be able to you know supply the WCB clearances and uh, proof of insurance at, you know, at time of the estimate. So. Absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for that. And uh, stay warm today. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> and, it. You as well. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow in the office. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Bye. Mark. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks to Mark from Prune It Up calling in and uh, giving us some tips on that. And I just want to mention one thing. You can uh, listen to all the shows on our podcast and there is a radio archive on the website as well. And I do need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, where we are unpacking all of the great new pots and decor for spring. Spruce it up, plant it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, thanks again for Mark for uh, getting uh, on the phone in this chilly weather and chatting about uh, trees and shrubs outside. And if you'd like to give me a call, the phone lines are wide open. You can call at 403 974 8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And uh, like I said, the phone lines are wide open. It is still... Oh, actually, I don't have my temperature thing. I The channel switched on me. I've lost the, the global... It must be still minus 29. I'm assuming it's a, it's a little bit chilly. So if you'd like to give us a call, by all means. And uh, it seems like all the text and phone calls have dropped off. So one thing... Um, what I would like to chat about is someone had asked earlier on the text, looking for recommendations for for fruiting trees and shrubs in their yard. Um, they lived out in the country. We actually can grow quite a few trees and shrubs that produce fruit. Um, we have the whole romance series of the sour cherries. We have uh, like there's Cupid and Valentine. And, and some of those ones, but they're part of a great series and they're self-pollinating and they were created by the University of Saskatchewan and they're very, very hearty and they taste really quite good. And there's some great apples that you can grow um, in, in your yards here in Calgary and surrounding area. The only thing is you got to be careful. And I, I did do an orchard application for... Um, a project just uh, west and south of uh, Spruce It Up a few years ago. But this past year, they ended up getting quite a few bears come in, but we planted it as a fairly big orchard. So you just got to be careful on that too. If you, if, It depends where you are located. If you get a little bit closer to the west side of the, of the mount, of the west side of Calgary towards the mountains, you, you can be um, attracting the bears and I know Canmore is talking about removing a bunch of the apple trees in the town, and uh, which isn't, uh, it's just because they attract so many of the bears. So those are some of the things that you got to be careful of when, when you do uh, plant berries and fruit and that, depending on what part of the city you're in. Um, typically in most of Calgary, you don't have to worry about, but, but bears have been seen, uh, I guess, in any part of the city. So... Um, but I think it more if you're right along the line of, of Fish Creek or or down in Bonas right by the river, things like that. You just got to be a little bit more careful on how many fruit trees you, you produce and uh, a good cleanup of that in the fall. And and then that definitely helps with that. So you're not leaving the, the mess and for the birds, I mean, for the bears and things like that, that you're attracting them. Going to go to the phone lines and we're going to chat with Scott. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Merle. Hey, how can I help you? Good. I've got a uh, pine tree in my backyard, yeah. and it's got uh, it's got a bunch of white little dots all over the um, the needles. Yep. And um, I'm not. I mean, it, it looks like part of it's starting to sort of die off at it, the bottom. But is what, it is what, it a bristlecone pine? Oh, is you got me. I don't know. Um, is it sort of a dark green? But is it really like does it get really big, or is it slow growing? Like. Slow, slow growing. Uh, it was my daughter's grade one tree uh, okay. twelve years ago. Okay, and it's, it's about uh, seven feet tall now. Okay, um, it, w- it probably wouldn't be a bristlecone then. 
Um, okay. It would probably be a ponderosa pine, or is it's not? A, is it a pine like the long needles, not a spruce, like a smaller needle? Oh, you know what? It might be a spruce. Okay. Sorry, it is a smaller needle uh, uh, tree. Yeah, so that would be a spruce. The pine has the longer okay. needles. Okay. And the good. spruce is the shorter needle. Um, if there's a way you could maybe text me a picture, sometimes um, the spruce, they emit um, sort of a sugary thing, and when they release, um, it, 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 it's fine. And if it's disyellowing in the center of the trunk of the tree, typically that's okay because they go through a defoliating period. But there is some um, spruce scale. There are some things that do affect um, the spruce tree as well. So what I would do is either... Um, just if you cut off a couple pieces, put it into a Ziploc bag, and then just even you can drop it off if you're near Spruce It Up or an, one of the other yeah. garden centers. Um, I would just bring one of those in for us to have a little closer look at it because uh, it could be a couple of different things. So, Okay, sure. Yeah, we can do that. We're right down by it. So. Yeah, so yeah, just put it in a Ziploc, just put a tension, Merle, and I'll have a look at it and get back to you. Great. Thanks so much, Merle. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. All right, again, if the phone phone lines are wide open, if you'd like to join me, 403-974-8255 or out of town, 1-800-563-7770. <coughs> and, uh, man, I uh, got some pictures um, in somebody's growing some cannabis at home. And it, it, it is still a bit weird, this whole cannabis thing, how it's legal, like it's legit and it, it's kind of funny you see someone growing it and you can totally do it now it's sort of uh and i was down in vegas a couple of weeks ago and it's sort of everywhere there they, they have some you see it in all the cabs are advertising cannabis stores they have the distribution and and uh i, I just think it's uh hopefully we're we're careful on it but it's it's interesting people are using it for the right reasons it's uh, it's definitely no worse than than the alcohol. So, but I got a picture of uh, the kids got so big, I had to build a bigger habitat. They really like the sun blaster. Yep, they do love the sun blaster. Lights are great for them. Um, and he's growing them in plastic pots, and it looks like a grow bag. Um, they look like they're doing really, really well. And just and the way when you get them up to the to the bud stage, hopefully you have a carbon filter ready to go on those and uh, just to help make sure that uh, you don't get that odor going into the house because uh, unfortunately when they do get to that, they can get really, really skunky, which, uh, which, you, which you don't want when, they're, when, you're, when you're doing that kind of thing. But it can be done properly and it just make sure you have the right tools in place um, to do it. And uh, but it looks like you're on the right track, and uh, it looks like they're growing great out there. And that uh, uh, comes up in my business quite a bit right now. Is even in the growers, a lot of the growers back east um, have getting gobbled up by the the cannabis industry. So us as independent garden centers and some of our growers are switching from annuals and perennials to to cannabis because it's a little bit more lucrative. So we're working with guys that are in our business. Hopefully, they want to stay in our business. So we can uh, grow together with all the annuals and perennials and all that fun stuff. But right now, i got to take a break. If you'd like to join me after the break, the phone lines are wide open. 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to give me a shout, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And I'm going to go to the phone lines right now and chat with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good, good. How can I help good. you? Well, we've got a couple things. I've got a raspberry patch that uh, hasn't received the kind of maintenance that it would need yeah. over the last few years, and it's just absolutely... The quack grass has kind of taken it over. You can hardly see the canes for the quack when it gets going. And of course, they don't do as well in that. And I'm without using Roundup. I don't know if there's any way to to deal with it. And no, um, besides getting out and digging it out early on, and but the more you cut the roots, you almost create more and more. So it's it's one of those you tr- you can try and cover it with a mulch. And then just as the as the grass comes up through the mulch, um, if you put a fairly heavy layer of mulch down, and then as as the grass comes up, you can just use like small amounts of Roundup just on the leaves of the of the quack grass. Um, right. But that's or dig down and and just um, try and dig up all the roots as possible, and and just be diligent for the for the while while you're trying to go at it because it is it is a tough one for sure. Yeah. Is there any um if you were to dig and pull the canes out before they're uh yeah. active and then put them back in in an area where there isn't any quack with that? Absolutely. They they can be transplanted fairly easily. So you should be fine on trying to do that if you want to relocate them. Um one of the things I would do is um, if they have you been maintaining the the canes over the last few years as well, like no. if you're removing. See, part of it is you probably got lots of stuff going on. What I would do is remove all the old deadwood in there right now as well. Like do that before the spring, and and get it healthy again because right now it's trying to survive all that old wood, and because they'll they only produce they'll produce on last year's wood. So yeah. you'll see a bunch of wood that looks newer than the old one. Remove all the old stuff right now. And uh, and then move on from there, and just start with okay. that. And then I, th- before I'd move it, I'd just get them healthier, and then maybe just try and work on the quack grass underneath it. And d- if you get on early spring, um, you'll have a lot better success than letting it go. So yeah, dig sure. it out first thing in the spring. Put a heavy layer of mulch down, but don't use mulch like from an arbor or something. Like get the decomposed mulch like that we sell out of our bulk bins because if you put in that raw mulch. Um, that hasn't decomposed, it'll take all the nutrients out of the soil. It takes all the um, nitrogen out of the soil around those plants. So, Okay. So, okay. all right. All right. And, and then I had um, tried to do um, some indoor herbs and stuff like that, and yeah. we ended up just with an unbelievable infestation of like an aphid or something like that. Were they so little tiny the- green bugs? I think so. Yeah. If they're aphids, yeah. They they are a bit of an issue. You can use pure spray green on them, um, but it needs to happen every five days. If you do get the, the aphids when they come in, you have to do it every five days. You can spray them, wait five days, do it again, do it again, sort of three to four weeks consecutively. Okay. Because uh, they're born now, pregnant, so if you don't do it, they kind of they reproduce fairly quickly. So Okay. Now, would anything, um, uh, the soil that we've been using is the organic seed starter and then the organic Soil, is there any chance it's coming in with that, and we should be? No, something? it shouldn't be. Um, it just 
sometimes if you have nice, healthy plants to start with, they they tend to go to them, and they do because they're nice and lush. Okay. Um, and if they're left unattended, the it, the they can, like I said, they reproduce so fast that it's it's crazy. So okay. Another thing now you can the- do is just hold them underneath the sink, and if you have one of those spray nozzles on your kitchen tap, yeah. just just to spray them off. Even every five days, like that's another way, or the pure spray green works really well. Okay, and um, the soil that was so, that had the contaminated plants in it, it's been sitting outside in this for X number <laughs> of days now. Yeah, it will, should be fine. Will the aphids still be okay, or can we bring that soil and use it again? Because it was. Uh, yeah, you, you should be able to bring it in and use it again after this cold. It, they should have frozen solid, and uh, you should be totally fine. Perfect. Okay. Hey, All thanks right. a lot. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Always good. Thanks, Bill. Okay, mate. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, I'll go to Margot, Jason, Marie, and Betty. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes on 770 CHQR. Hmm. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go right to the phone lines, and uh, we're going to go to Margot. Good morning, Margot. Hi, Mar- Hi there. Hi. I've I've got uh, an orange tree that was started from seed. Okay. Which is about five feet tall. Oh, nice. And I I recommend not to allow your children to do that because this is the thorniest house plant in the world. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the citrus have pretty heavy duty thorns on them. Nasty. And I use the toenail clippers on it. Yeah. Ad nauseum until I can work on the plant. But it's had scale for a long time, and we've been fighting it. So I got some pure spray green yep. concentrate yep. when Sunnyside was closing. Yep. And I've used it once a couple of weeks ago. But do I have to repeat that use? A, a bit on those. So with the scale, if it's really bad, what I would do is just do a mixture of the pure spray green and get yourself like a... Like a heavy duty, like a terry cloth or something, maybe a little bit rougher than that, okay. and just soak it in the pure spray green, and then just rub the rub it off the bark, like rub the scale with the with the yeah. cloth, or yeah. just I wouldn't use like a scouring pad, but yeah. something between a sponge and a cloth, like just something a little bit textured. Yeah, and yeah. I would just remove it that way. And then the leaves, will it just? If, if they're on the I've leaves, I've been using Kleenex to, you know. Work yeah, you need something a little bit more heavy duty. So I would switch to a cloth of some sort and okay. soak it. And I would just do it on the leaves as well. And if it's really infested, just pick the leaves off if they're really bad. But the ones yeah. on the trunk, but, that just and then just make sure you keep on a spray program a little bit after this too, sort of once every couple of weeks, just to give so it a. Because it's got a mineral oil, yep. does that build up? Um, the pure spray green doesn't, it's not like the, like the insecticidal soap and things like that where you need okay. to rinse off. This one, it can stay on. That's why I like the pure spray green. And I'm pretty much, um, one of the only ones with the, with, with it in stock. Um, some of the other guys aren't carrying it. I'm not sure why, but I, I find it to be the best thing. And it's something that the professionals are using as well. So I, I really like it and it's. It's relatively safe. Obviously, everything you use, you yeah. have to follow directions because and things like if that. If you're using it on the herbs, then it must be almost edible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's so, a it's a pharmaceutical grade mineral oil, so it's it just I just like it because in the states, it's also registered as a fungicide, so it's great for a lot of our tomatoes, um, nine barks, things that get aphids, roses, okay. um, and it's not 
it, they don't say it in the Canadian label because it costs another million bucks to put that on there, but it still has that same attribute. So it'll prevent mildew. Absolutely. So it says concentrate. So I did a 50-50. I would follow the directions. I think that's maybe a little heavy. Okay. I was. It was hard to say because all the directions seem to be for outside, like apples, peaches, pears. I, I would stick on that same mixture. 50-50? Well, is that what it's saying, 50-50 for outside? They're saying... Uh, that seems heavy to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it should be 1 to 50 or something. Or I'm not sure the mixture on oh, it. 100 milliliters to 5 liters of water. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you're going real, real heavy. So just... Oh. Yeah. Well, I got it good the first time. <laughs> there you go. So good thing you're not you using malathon of... or something else that you'd burn and, it. So, Like, let's say I had a liter... <laughs> let's say I had a liter of water. How many tablespoons would you put in? Um, I'm sorry, I just, on that last mixture. Or, yeah. If you call the store, if you call Spruce It Up, they'll tell you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because I have trouble with milliliters. Yeah. So 15 mil, 30 mils is about a teaspoon or tablespoon. Okay. Or 15 mils is a tablespoon. Sorry. Yeah, okay. All right. So I, I, it really is a concentrate. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I would never recommend anybody plant these because they are, get really big. And they're really nasty. Yep. <laughs> but they're so, fun, though. You get oranges, but, hopefully. But you can buy a miniature, and they're not thorny. Yeah, we have the calamondon. Calamon. And they produce edible fruit. Absolutely. So I think they should go to your store and buy a citrus tree. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Better idea. Thanks, Margaret. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to go to Jason. Good morning, Jason. Hey, how's it going, bud? Good, good. So good, you, good. You want to grow some pumpkins? You bet. I want to be the top dog in Calgary here this year. Oh, nice. We have the, the seeds to get you going on that, too. We have the big jumbo seeds as well. So if you if you don't have your seeds yet. Jumbo seeds, okay. Yeah, to grow those big jumbo pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should we stick them in the uh, window in April? Give them a head start or something like that? Um, They grow fairly quickly. That. Yeah, April is probably a good time because you cannot put them outside until probably mid-June um, unless they're under cover of some sort or in a greenhouse because um, the pumpkins are part of the melon family and like cucumbers and they take they cannot take frost at all. So any kind of coolness, they do not like the frost at all. Okay. All so right. um, Mid-June to be safe then. Yeah. Yeah, mid-June, typically, um, depending on the season, is when you can do that. And and you want to get them in. It's the, They're one of those ones that you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you get them going too early, they're really hard to move around because they grow so quick. You get the vines growing. So, oh, okay. You know what okay. I mean? So yeah. if you get them growing yeah. up on a trellis before they produce fruit, it makes it a little easier to move them. All right. All right. So Okay, fair enough. Just pump full of chemicals of any kind, or no? I, just a good all-purpose um, grower, like the twenty 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 works for those really good, or the fifteen thirty fifteen is a great fertilizer for those. All right, all right, yeah. and lots of sun. They love the sun. Lots of sun. All right, I got a nice backyard for them. Perfect. Lots of sun. Okay, bud. Thanks Th- a lot. Thanks, Jason. You bet. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm going to take Marie offline. I'll answer her questions on their lime trees off air. Um, Again, thanks for listening. Stay warm. And if you're outside, be careful. Cover up. And if you're driving, it's very slick out there. Thanks for listening. Let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR.
Mainly sunny and minus 27 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Courtney Davidson. Another freezing weekend for our city as Calgarians have been feeling the impact of the frigid temperatures. And through it all, firefighters and